This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 17 of Retired Racehorse Radio on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products and Cashel Products. Retired Racehorse Radio is your guide to the adoption, care, and training of the retired racehorse, brought to you in cooperation with the Thoroughbred Makeover and New Vocations. And we are currently live at the Kentucky Horse Park here. Joy and I are actually hanging out to record this episode, and it's going to be kind of all makeover recap (laughs) slash disasters and exciting things that happen and we're going to talk to Ellen Doty Hume about her you know Rolex rider uh, Land Rover rider and we're going to talk to her about her week and then we have Jennifer Osborne who is an amazing woman firefighter from Las Vegas who came out here Heather Carlson is coming on she's from Aiken and she's going to talk about her week and then we're going to have Justin Powers who was our polo spotlight rider from episode 10 so check it out And they're off on Retired Racehorse Radio, the podcast that is your guide to the adoption, care, and training of the retired racehorse. This is Jamie Jennings from the Kentucky Horse Park in Lexington, Kentucky. And this is Joy Hills, also from the Kentucky Horse Park in Lexington, Kentucky. And you're listening to Retired Racehorse Radio. Jamie, it's been a week for you. It has. I'm tired. Well, you know, I'm sore. (laughs) It's been a lot for you and baby group, but I'm really excited to hear all about the adventures, the first, the sticky moments, but tell us your story. Well, I did the freestyle and then I did the uh, eventing portion and I talked about it on horses in the morning this week. So here, we'll just take a listen to that. I don't want to tell, I don't want to say it again. (laughs) What everybody wants to hear about is Jamie's freestyle today, and she rode a couple hours ago. It is on Facebook. Go to horseinthemorning.com or Jamie's personal page, and or auditors. You can find it in the auditor room as well. So I had no idea what you were doing. I kept it a big, fat secret from you, mouth of the cellar. <laughs> <laughs> then did you notice that I didn't even come over and say hi? Oh, your wife cause... said, yeah, I'm not going over there because that's smart of you. Yeah. Because <laughs> I might have murdered you pre-show. <laughs> I do you enjoy her coming over, but not me. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think I've lost sleep over this for four months. At least it lost sleep over it. And then I haven't slept in like at all in days because of this nonsense. This morning, I was like, if I didn't know that I, what I was doing, I would think I was having a, a heart attack because I was like panicking. My chest was tight. It was really, really, I was just really nervous, really scared. So it's, it's not something that I've ever done. And what I did is something that I don't do. <laughs> so I just, the, the idea of it kind of came from trying to figure out what can I do that's a little different and something I've never done. And I just kind of challenged myself to put myself in the situation of like thinking where I could go with this idea. So I had the idea of doing some mounted archery. And I mean, it started with shoot. Had like, you ever shot a bow and arrow before? No. <laughs> I told you I wanted to shoot bows and arrows. My husband bought me some like airplane takedown thing. I mean, this compound bow that I could, like shoot planes out of the sky. And I was like, "That's terrifying." I'm not. So then I was like, "Just give me a kid's compound bow." Bows are really hard to pull at first too. It's, and then I mean, you like would never do it on a horse. I mean, it was terrifying. I was like, "I'm going to murder somebody with this thing," <laughs> not on purpose, you know. And so um, I was like, "Just give me a kid's bow." And so he got me a kid's bow. But then I have a kid who would just. He was like two, three at the time. He just walk in front of him. I'm like, that's it. I'm done. 
never going to do this. <laughs> and so I just had the idea. I've always kind of been interested in it. And so I decided to teach Baby Groot how to do this thing. And so I just started from the very Ba- like as basic as you can get and kind of taught myself how to do it. I did have the help of Lindsay Helmuth Pierce, our listener who is a mounted archer and I would send her videos and she would lean forward a little bit more, try the jump saddle. Do- and she gave me some really, really helpful clues. And um, my choreographer slash music director slash outfit consultant Wardrobe consultant, Kayla Mueller, our listener. <laughs> <laughs> and Kayla's here with us. Hi, Kayla. Hey, guys. And we also have Joy here, who is your co-host on Retired Racehorse Radio. It's a party Hello, everyone. at the horse park. <laughs> <laughs> so for brand new listeners who are here for the first time, this is the Thoroughbred Makeover. There's what, about 500 horses here? Yeah, mm-hmm. just about. And they've been worked with for how long? Ten months. Ten months, yeah. Ten months, okay. And you've got Maybe. Them. I mean, you know, some yeah. are less, some are more. And some mm-hmm. came off the track after not running one race. Some never ran a race, and some were campaigners that ran 100 some races. Some ran two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there were some campaigners here, too, which probably are, what, eight, nine, ten years old, but they mm-hmm. were ran 100 races. So Yeah, yeah some more horses, yeah. for sure. So yeah. it's just really amazing to see. I, I was, you'll hear in an interview I did with Elisa Wallace, I talked about how it's just cool because everybody has the same level of firecracker, right? And then I felt like everybody was very respectful of your bubble. You know, like everybody kind of has the same like, uh, gotcha. You know, you're there too. Alisa does not have the same experience. But I was like, it's because you won last year. You'll hear. You'll hear what she has to say about that. But yeah, it was, um, I've just enjoyed all being here uh, except for the nerves, I might be drinking, by the way. Oh, right yeah, now. I did notice that already, <laughs> <laughs> which is not unusual for our shows. So let's oh. describe what you actually did for the listeners. Do you want to describe it? Kayla, you, help, you helped out Kayla down there. Kayla was my was also uh, in the prop. Uh, yeah, she was out yeah, there. I was in the ring. Looking good as a prop and, girl. And um, I was a prop girl for Katniss Everdeen over here. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, she was a total... I can't use the word I want to use, but uh, you badass. know, badass. Yeah, Can we yeah. use that? Yeah, yeah. Use oh, that. perfect. Badass. I'm gonna say it again. Badass. <laughs> no, she was actually she was awesome. Um, she had to do her compulsory, which is like some flat work. Like in figure skating, you have to do a certain. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And then she went around and. I mean, madly galloped. Well, okay, she trotted through the lane and shot her her bow and arrow on the target. She hit. Every single target that she aimed at. You were at. popping balloons and you yeah. hit the balloons. Yeah, I she was, actually I hit was the shocked. balloons. I wanted to be like, woo! And I was like, no, no. Because I was holding, yeah, I was holding the rope and I was like, no. I heard last night's warm up wasn't as good. Disaster. <laughs> I had the lane. So, so in mounted archery, you kind of canter down a roped off lane. It's called a list. Is it? Yeah, like in medieval juice. times, yeah, that's where know. they did jousting. And what's the thing called where that has the arrows in oh, it? Oh, a scabbard. Quiver. She Quiver. Said. Quiver. Thank there you. we yes. go. See, I'm really Scabbard's professional at this. <laughs> um, so you, I had it set up kind of how I had it set up at home, but the way that the arena was here, I was cantering to the outgate. Mm. and trotting to the outgate and I would drop the reins and he would take off mm. like peace and because this is a big environment <laughs> Stephanie was with us too uh, last night and I mean I'm pretty sure that everybody was like you you a joke this is hilarious <laughs> and so did any of those arrows get close to your head Stephanie I almost shot Stephanie yesterday <laughs> I'm gonna be completely honest <laughs> Stephanie didn't know kind of the routine and she was at one 
end of the arena. So what I did is I went down the lane and shot. And then there was a target kind of in the middle of the arena with balloons. And so as I would trot back to the lane, I was like, to Ch- I just said to Chad to help me choreograph it too. I'm like, well, I need to do something else. He's like, let's put a target in the middle. I'm like you don't shoot bows and arrows without a lane or whatever you call mm-hmm. it. And uh, I, he said, well, let's just try it. So I just trot by and I was like, how can I make this even cooler? So I put balloons on the target. So I trot by and shoot balloons while Stephanie was at one end and she just decided to meander down to the other end. And I'm coming around the corner. I'm like, Move! I'm gonna show you, <laughs> poor Stephanie, because I was already like all drawn up and about to let it go, and then she walks by. I was like, "Oh my god, I almost killed somebody." It was the Hunger Games. Yeah, it was. I was Katniss. Thank God I I didn't murder anybody. Sorry, Stephanie. I might. I was like, I apologize for yelling. I apologize hey, for Katniss the tension. wasn't shooting any or anything off a horse. That's true. Yeah, no. look at you me. Got it and up she Katniss. even. Jamie today stood on her knees and shot the bow and arrow and Groot, four-year-old thoroughbred, off the track, stood still. I have old horses that won't even stand still. Stays. And you hit the target then, too. It popped the balloon. Yeah. Now, I thought you were then going to stand up on the saddle and I went, oh, God, no, please don't. Yeah, no. <laughs> no. So I tried that and, and Chad, <laughs> bless his heart, he was so honest with me and he's like, babe, I kind of think that... Maybe you just look a little more confident on your knees. <laughs> and I think that, that you looking, you on your knees and confident is better than you standing up looking he, like you're about to die. so well trained on yeah. how to word things. Oh, yeah. He's, he's, he's good. He's a pilot. He's he has good. to know how to tell everybody the plane's going down yeah. without them knowing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, so I'm yeah. confidently going to land this plane right. without wheels yes. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in the water. <laughs> in the water. In the water, yeah. So he was pretty pretty good about being honest with me so i appreciate all of his well, help he I was, was just amazing. truly i really was impressed she swallowed hard as they walked into the start box she could feel his muscles tense under her leg five four three two one have a great ride she didn't have to ask he galloped out of the box and across the field toward their first training level course his ears pricked her heart pounded He attacked each obstacle with confidence, clearing them with room to spare. A huge smile broke out on her face as she crossed through the finish flags. She leaned forward and buried her face in his neck. Their bond of love and trust blocked out all else. This love story is brought to you by Elevate. Research proven to have superior bioavailability, Elevate supplies the essential vitamin E often missing from the equine diet. Its all-natural formula supports healthy muscle and nerve functions. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. Call 859-873-2974 or visit kppusa.com to order today. So you did eventing yesterday, along with about 180 of your friends. (laughs) Yeah, right. Um, Yeah, so we went... uh, down to the warm-up, baby Groot. Now he was all braided. Caleb Muller from... Uh, and what level were you Germany. at? I was... Technically, I think it's beginner novice. Okay. But it's not scored the that same... That means they're jumping five-foot jumps. Yeah, it's, it's only like huge. nine foot. So, yeah. So, I mean, I, it was the biggest thing he's ever done. And the dressage was in the Rolex arena. And we had schooled it. And he was awesome. And then... I went down. There's like that little shoot that the Rolex riders go down when they're going to go do their dressage. And 
he saw all of the horses cantering mm-hmm. around and then the announcer came on who was very loud mm-hmm. and and he, he didn't need to be. There was not a big crowd. No, he talked no. about me the entire time I ride. I was like, "Oh, stop talking!" <laughs> um, and and baby girl just he just went track. He just went back to the track. So it was a definitely a challenging ride. I just tried to keep my lower leg, my heel under my hip, mm-hmm. and sit up tall. And you stayed in. Try to make sure I stay in and stay on. That's my theory with dressage. So I stayed in and I stayed on. So we achieved that goal. But it was definitely not what I was hoping for. Not what we've been working. Uh, and towards. I know you think your ride was the worst. It was not. It, it was, was not the worst. <laughs> that would be shocking. I hate to. I feel sorry for that person because mine was pretty bad. So um, there were a few that were on two legs a lot of the time. <laughs> really? Okay. So we didn't. He didn't. He didn't have any bad behaviors. He didn't rear buck. He, no, he didn't do anything silly. He just was very tense, and I just couldn't get him to relax his top line and like drop his head because he was just so busy looking up at everything. But he, I mean, he got his leads. He did all the right gates. We got down the center line, and we had a halt at the end. So everything was there but it was definitely not the dressage ride that i had dreamed of you know <laughs> because he does have quite a lovely canter in his trot when it's relaxed and long is is really mm-hmm. beautiful so uh where his his gates were not very well demonstrated yesterday so with that being said then i was like gonna head up to show jumping and went back to the bar and changed all the tack and you go from show jumping directly out to cross country so I had to wear white breeches on cross country yesterday and I was mortified. All you girls. <laughs> I didn't have time to change them. So that's the only time it's allowed. So we, I, mean, I don't want the comments about me wearing white breeches cross country. I didn't have time. So I go up for the show jumping and I, I, I looked in the arena and I was like, Oh my God. What? I am supposed to jump all like we did as a starter, a two foot horse trial, and then there's like two nine oxers out there. I, I was for baby novice, I did look out there and go, wow, those look big. I yeah. had to measure it. I was like, that is too big. <laughs> and and it turns out the judge uh for this portion was Nick Larkin, my former coach. <laughs> and I saw him up there and I was like, Nick Larkin! These fences are too big and too shiny and too bright with too many flowers. I'm like, fix it. And he's like, do you want me to ride him for you and show you how to do it? And I was like, hell yeah, come on. Uh, he did not take me up on that. And of course, then as I'm entering the yeah, arena, he goes, I almost rang the bell on you because the bell starts you have 30 seconds to go. He's like, I almost rang the bell on you just to mess with you. And he goes, by the way, did you get the course change? And I was like, shut up there's no course change as I'm riding in about to start so he rings the bell and um I I had told you guys I had planned on trotting him because we didn't canter mm-hmm. jumps but he trotted the first one and he landed in cantering and I think we cantered the entire yeah, he, did. Did. he actually looked more comfortable course. cantering him actually. Uh, he looked like he'd he been does. doing this for years. They, they jump better out of the canter at that size but the problem is you have to find a distance like, and, and to have a but half halt. And he... You had like a two-stride at one like, point, yeah. too. He never had a two... We'd never done gymnastics. <laughs> and I had a two-stride that was massive. And uh, I he went into it and I just was like, sit up and leg on and rode. And I, I feel like I gave him a good ride. And mm. he... I mean, my he's God. He's careful with his feet, too. Yeah. He well, really yeah, is. if careful means he jumped four foot over the <laughs> top rail. <laughs> Stay on, girl. He's very uh, careful. On. Heels down. Keep your heels under your hips, people. <laughs> yeah, so that was, um, I was really surprised and very elated after mm-hmm. we went out. And I got one of the highest scores in show jumping yeah. of yeah. the entire thing. Now, unfortunately, that they add that score with your dressage, which 
was not awesome. And then they put that score together. And then we went out on cross country. And again, I warmed him up, for, up over a cross-country jump that was bigger than any mm-hmm. jump he'd ever jumped. And he kapoom, catapulted over that. And we jumped it a couple times. And I was like, let's just go. Let's see what happens. So it was different. And um, who was the judge on cross-country? Selena Hanlon. So she oh, I was, didn't see who was yeah, out there. Was that she, Selena? Selena. Okay. So she's out in a, in a uh, golf cart. And I rode out there. And there was no starting box. It's just a starting they line. Do judge your cross country, yeah. which is not. Mm-hmm. And there's done a horsemanship normally. aspect of it too, which I'll get to. But you had to go through the starting line. So I, I rode up to her golf cart. I said, "Hi, you know, I just want to let you know that this is way above our pay grade." And she's like, "It's Kentucky. Just go have fun." <laughs> so I was like, "Okay, well, let's do it." You can hear so, Selena saying that yeah, too. <laughs> and so we we cantered, her, just trotted uh, up to the first fence, and he was hesitant i put my leg on and he pinged over it and then landed and took off he's like okay i got it so we went around defense two and and jumped that and got defense three and jumped that and fence four was our first experience with a uh, a jump with phil like it had a bunch of like pine fill in it and it was white and he jumped that great uh, i think that was number three and then we had a long gallop up a hill to a four stride and it was a max roll top with just a tiny roll top a couple strides later so i thought okay we're you know slow down please slow down please slow down and he just kind of ignored my half halt and flung himself over the first one and coming up to the second one he slipped he slipped and ended up landing on top of the second fence I almost thought you were going over on yeah. that one. I, you know, that's not the from time. Our, I, from our perspective. Yeah. 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 Well, I just thought he was going to fall, you know, and mm-hmm. so I, I backed him up and got him off and I looked down at his knees because he was sitting on his knees on top of the jump and it, there was no, no blood or anything. Yeah. I backed him up. I walked it really him around. Well yeah. For a baby. He's just like, what happened? Oh, well, yeah. crap. <laughs> and so I looked around his sound and then he just popped right over it. Yeah. And then we had to come around to the next one, which was this. To me, like the biggest rider fence, it was a pretty big vertical, you know, the, the roll tops are nice because they're, if they do get a little close, their knees can go over it. But the really upright ones, those are the ones that they could potentially, those are the more dangerous ones. So you, you can hang a knee over that. And it was downhill afterwards. And after our last escapade, I, I probably hesitated a little bit too much and, uh, rode a little backwards to it and he stopped at it. And then his, I, I think that the last one shot his confidence. And so the rest of the time was kind of trying to rebuild that confidence. We got down into the water. He wouldn't go in the water. He's never been in water. I mean, went into a mud puddle once, but mm-hmm. like, other than that, he's never been in a big giant water complex like that. And, um, I couldn't get him in. So I, I turned him around. I don't recommend anybody does this unless you really know your horse and you know they're not going to rear, but I backed him into the water. Then they get their feet wet. You can turn them around and ride them on through. And that worked perfect. And then we had to go jump a jump, which you jump bravely. And we had to loop back down and go back through the water. And if you saw, he just cantered right into mm-hmm. the water like it was no problem. And then he jumped the next one. And then we we're going to the top of a hill. Am I over-describing this? Are no, no, this okay. is great. <clears throat> so I get to the top of the hill and it is a brush fence, but not in eventing. You can have the, the max size of the fence and then you can add, I think six to eight inches of brush on top of it because the, the theory is that the horse should learn to jump through brush. He don't know how to jump through brush. So <laughs> we got up to it and he was like, what the hell is that? And came to a stop again. And again, I just stood there, let him look at it, gave him some rubs and pet him and 
backed him up a couple steps, looped him around, and he jumped it. Mm -hmm. And then we had to go down a hill to another big brush fence. And this was even bigger than the other one. And he stopped at it. I gave him a minute, backed him up a couple steps, looped him around, and he jumped it no problem. The problem with that fence was four strides later, there was a ditch. And he's he's never seen a ditch. So Mm -hmm. I was like, well... I really don't want to end up, it, they call them coffins in eventing. It's not a ditch, it's a coffin. And there's it's a very positive. It's term. a really Super terrible positive. name. And I was like, I do not want to end up in that coffin. So I jumped that brush. Once he did it, I just kind of sat up and kicked and held on. And I, you just look up in the air. If you look down, you will be down. You look up in the air and you add your leg and you just, I kind of gunned him at it. And, he got up to it and it was like, it was too late to st- And he rocketed over that thing. Like it was a four foot vertical. I mean, he was like the picture of him, his knees are by his ears. You know, like what the hell is that? But he jumped it. And then the horsemanship part was you had to hand gallop up the hill all the way across the field. And I, as I turn the corner to hand gallop, I look over and Selena was standing up in her golf cart cheering for me. <laughs> And I was like, oh my God, that's so nice. Cause I mean, I really, it was a hard ride, but I feel like, like the whole time I felt, I didn't get upset. I didn't get mad. I didn't get frustrated. I just thought, well, he's a baby and he's learning mm-hmm. and he's figuring it out. And I wanted to have to, to be a good horse trainer. And I think that going forward, he's going to be a lot better. And again, I, I need to, it's my fault for not preparing him. It's my fault for spending so much damn time shooting bows and arrows in the <laughs> arena instead of taking him cross country schooling. But we've, we had a lot of challenges along the way with the, you know, his traveling. He didn't travel very well. And so we had to work on that and he didn't pick up his feet. I mean, it's so many challenges that I didn't know we would face, but that's part of horse training, but then cram it into nine months and giddy up. So in the end, I was, Elated. I'm so thrilled with how he did and how he handled it. He never once shut down. He was still open to learn. He looks good this morning. He's happy. I turned him out last night and I rented him a paddock and I turned him out and I, I couldn't be happier with how it went. I mean, aside from him losing his marbles in the dressage, like he really came back every single time. Well, and what I want to applaud you for, and this is just as a spectator who's like, I do dressage. Just watching you do cross country. I'm like, oh my gosh, my heart. I can't watch this. But every time he stopped, you just waited. You waited and you praised him when he was just calm and thought about it. And as a spectator, it was just really admirable to watch. You put the horse first. So I just, I'm very proud of you for doing this. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, when you, when you get him up to the fence like that, so many people want to spank him I don't carry a crop or wear spurs and and I don't feel like making them is gonna create a good partnership or a good relationship and forcing them to do something like I I said before you know you can't you can't make a thoroughbred do anything mm-hmm. will you, you know you may be able to get him over this time mm-hmm. but the next time it's going to be worse so once he's he stopped. I didn't praise him for stopping. What I did is I praised, I praised him once he looked at it. And mm-hmm. then what you want to do is you want to see the horse look at the obstacle and then look past it. And once they've looked like sniffed it and looked past it, they're going to jump it I'm, yeah. almost every single time. So once he did that, I would praise him and tell him he was good and loop back around and he popped over it. So, um, that's just like kind of 
I just, I just wanted to do right by him, you know? Yeah. So I think you did. Thank I you. You really did. Yeah. It was, it, 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 I was really, really thrilled by the end of it, even though it wasn't probably from an outsider's perspective, mm-hmm. the most beautiful cross country round. So, you know, Halen, dude, but cheer for me. <laughs> she knew how hard I worked in that. And it was awesome. So thank you very yeah. much. I'm so glad you guys well, were here. Thousands to see of it. people around the world are very proud of you very too. Very proud of you. Oh, well, thank you. That's awesome. Now, next year, did you two horses? And four competitions. No. <laughs> no, this is really hard. I need a break. Baby Groot is going to go home out in the 20 acres and he's going to be turned out for a month <laughs> and just be a horse. He'll come up, he'll de- desperately try to challenge come in to do and... something next year. You're, I'm, I'm, I'm challenging you. We need to challenge yeah. you for something. You need to go climb Mount Everest. Here All right, you go. and now it's time to move on with the show. <laughs> Cashel Company helps you enjoy the ride with their full line of trail bags and tush cushions from Cannel Bag to horn bags and everything in between comfort and convenience on the trail is what Cashel does best to stay up to date with the latest products and news follow Cashel company on Facebook and Instagram and to find their products visit an authorized dealer or visit cashelcompany.com well I'm sitting here with Ellen Doty Hume Ellen how many times have you ridden in Rolex slash Land Rover um six now I believe so you've been competing with alongside me all weekend, and you were kind enough to share your tax doll. So we've been able to hang out, and um, you're busy. Yeah, <laughs> I I enjoy saying busy. Baby Groot would like some more food. <laughs> yeah, I mean you've been teaching and coaching, and you have two horses here. Tell us about your two horses. Um, so I brought two horses. Uh, one is Sparty, who's Summer's due, and the other is. Scarlet, unconventional. Um, Scarlet, I got in April, actually right before Rolex. Um, she had just raced, and I, I guess I decided. I don't know. I'm, whenever we had to decide on the horses, I picked her along with Sparty. I had already decided on Sparty, the gray horse, um, who I got last fall, and started training him in December. Um, and then I had to do a second, which I had had about eight others to choose from. Mm-hmm. So I picked Scarlet. I thought this would be a good experience for her and help kind of get her out and marketed and get her sold um she's super quiet easy amateur friendly so um i picked the dressage and the hunters for her um at the point we had to pick disciplines i hadn't even taken her cross-country schooling so i didn't know so i figured dressage and hunters would be a good um something that i knew she would be able to do um and i think they're both disciplines that really suit her um and then sparty i bought um last year um got him off the track and um where I got him from uh, Laura Petrie. Um, actually, it was the the NTWO here in Kentucky. She works with them um, and sends Louisiana bred horses up to Kentucky to get sold. So he was one that got donated to their program. And I, a lot of times, she'll contact me and I get them before they even come to Kentucky. She must be a good resource because you're sitting in second. <laughs> She's a great resource. I've gotten um, probably dozens of horses from her. I get a couple a month, usually from her, and um, retrain them and sell them or keep them. Um, a couple of my other ones that I'm bringing up the levels right now are from her. Um, this horse, um, Sparty, he's actually a due date baby. So she stands due date at her farm, who's a stallion. Um, and several of my horses have been from out of due date. And he's just an amazing sport horse stallion. They all are phenomenal jumpers. Um, most of them have good amateur brains. Uh, just I, they're a joy. To, so anytime she has a due date, I said, don't even, I don't even need a picture or anything. If you like them, they're sound, send them to me. So... She usually calls me when they when they come in. 
Nice. So how did uh, the eventing go? It was a little bit different from a a typical horse trial to have. So what I experienced was you go out there and there's no start box. There's just kind of a line and you go across the line, you do the course, but there's like bonus fences and there was um, a like a really long hand gallop at the end up the hill. That was so interesting and and really fun. (laughs) Uh, yeah, I found it um, similar to the young event horse competitions. It's kind of what they do with that as well, where it's judged more on, um, you know, technique and rideability, adjustability, their scope over the fences. Um, young event horses, we don't get to pick which ones we do. This was kind of fun. You could pick which jump you wanted to jump and if you wanted to do the bonus fences. Um, Sparty's done, he's done one recognized horse trial at Beginner Novice. Um, and he's done several unrecognized ones at Novice. And I did a young event horse competition with him. And he's a five-year-old, so he actually has to do the training level. Um, so he schooled a lot of training level stuff. Um, I haven't been showing him recognize a whole lot yet just because his dressage isn't quite where I want it to be competitive. Um, so he's just been kind of doing more schooling show stuff and um, schoolings and that kind of thing. And uh, once his dressage gets a little more solid, I really think he's going to be a contender. So you're keeping that one, huh? I am keeping him. I had him up for sale when I first got him off the track for a little while. And then um, after I started really riding him and jumped him a few times, I decided to take him off the market and keep him for myself. So why do you come to this event? I mean, obviously, you were just here for the AECs. It's not a quick trip from Texas. So what makes this such a special event for you to come to? Um, So I had heard about this... I guess back when it started as the symposium, I don't know what that was, maybe five years ago now. Um, and I just thought it was really cool. And I know it's been, um, you know, getting more and more people coming each year. And um, last year I kind of kept up with it. And then I, I just kind of decided I wanted to, to come and do this. I've been retraining thoroughbreds um, all my life. I mean, since my very first horse was a thoroughbred off the track that I retrained and sold. And then I got another one. And this has been the heart and soul of my business is, getting thoroughbreds and retraining and selling them and 95% of my clients are on off the track thoroughbreds most of them that I've retrained and sold to them um so this that has is, to be fun to watch their progress it, it really is I was actually at Cura a couple weeks ago um and I was in the junior novice warm-up and in dressage warm-up and it was five horses that I had retrained and sold off either either to kids in my barn or kids in other barns and I like I was like oh there's Lola there's Tiny there's Melvin it was just so cool <laughs> to watch all these kids like the entire warm-up was all horses that I had trained and all off the track thoroughbreds and it's just it's really rewarding to watch all these horses because not all of them are going to be the next upper level horse not all of them are going to go around Rolex but um horses like Scarlet she's super quiet amateur friendly she's great she's just a great horse for an amateur that wants to have fun and have something safe and um, I just love the thoroughbreds I've I've always loved them I love um, their athleticism they have great brains Um, they're super trainable Um, they've got just a ton of heart and I just I just love the thoroughbreds I've I've had a few warm bloods and um, and I still have a couple warm bloods in my barn but I just always get drawn to the thoroughbreds so I I wanted to be a part of this just because this is you know, this is kind of what I do. And I just, I think I, I just needed to be a part of it. <laughs> well, you're crushing it right now. That's for sure. So with this whole, uh, retired racehorse off the track thoroughbred thing, what, 
you've had so many that have come through your barn and I know one of the toughest things that I've seen here I'm gonna ask you a little bit of a training tip what would you suggest to somebody who gets an off-the-track thoroughbred and takes it somewhere I'm asking for a friend um, <laughs> who the horse you know maybe really having a hard time with the environment how do you get these horses so consistently comfortable in all the different places um, I think it really comes down to putting a good foundation of flat work on them and really solid dressage um, training and basics and then they go to new places and when they get nervous I can I can give them aids to give them something else to focus on so they go somewhere and they want to look at something and get anxious I can feel it and their back start to tighten and I can go oh we're gonna bend right we're gonna bend left we're gonna shoulder in and so they get focused on doing what I'm asking them to do and then they start to relax in the situation so instead of getting nervous and tense they can look to me for um, you know what to do that kind of that herd instinct I'm the alpha you know of the herd and they look to me and and that helps them relax um and some of it's just finding the right horse um you know and and so like what I do is I a lot of times I get off the track thoroughbreds um and I assess them are they amateur friendly and some of them are not like my gray horse when amateurs hands would be a mess I I really think it would be a dangerous situation um so had an amateur gotten him off the track, that could have been a, you know, so that I think finding the right thoroughbred, whereas Scarlett, I mean, she could have gotten a 12-year-old kid right off the track and been just fine. So I think it's it's also finding the right horse that, um, that meets your skill level, because um, I think some people just, you know, don't have the, the skill set necessarily to deal with a certain type of horse um, at that point in their, you know, where they're at and their, their riding or their handling. Um, so I think it's finding the right horse and then um, just putting those, the foundation, the basics on them, and then taking them places. I, I try and take all my. I'm out every weekend. Like if you look at my schedule, I am gone every single weekend. Um, I don't just go to these big events. We go to local schooling horse trials, local hunter jumper shows, local dressage shows, um, just anything and everything. And I try. I take, Sorry, Alistair, that sucks. She's gone every weekend. <laughs> Well, he golfs, so oh, okay. <laughs> he, he probably enjoys it. Um, <laughs> and he, some time. he comes once in a while to these big ones, but he brings his golf clubs. Yeah. Um, but just I try and get them out as much as possible so they get to see a lot and do a lot, and they start just learning to relax that it's just another horse show. It's just, you know, just a bike or just a, you know, golf cart driving. But they just start to learn to, to relax. And the more relaxed you can be in the situation, I think it helps them relax. If you're tight and nervous and you know, getting nervous about them being nervous, it just kind of creates a snowball effect. Whereas my horses, you know, they start to get a little nervous. I just give them another task. I stay really relaxed because I've done this so much and it helps kind of calm their nerves. It was amazing going uh, down to the to the Rolex arena. You know, I went down to the Rolex arena to ride and I walked in and I'm like, start tearing up and get misty. And I'm like, do you ever get that way? She's like, no, not anymore. <laughs> well, I did. I did. And I still do a little bit, especially when it's when it's Rolex or Land Rover, um, just just getting a horse there is is a huge achievement, um, and it's it's just fun to get to ride here in a different atmosphere, and um, and it is still it's I mean it's a it's an icon and a place to ride, and it's so awesome that they let us do our dressage rides in there, and yeah. um, so it's a little bit different than riding at Land Rover, but it's still it's still really fun to bring bring a young one in there. And how is Sir Oberon doing? Uh, he's doing great. Uh, he's kind of on a little mini vacation. Um, I've actually been teaching, not teaching. My mom was like, did you turn Obi into a school horse? I was like, no, mom. But I've been, I've been teaching a couple lucky kids, a couple lessons, dressage lessons on them just for them to get 
a feel for what I'll be down next weekend <laughs> what it should feel like it's funny one of the girls wrote him and he kept doing flying changes like constantly and I'm like your leg is swinging around and you know it was really showed her like where when she was moving because yeah. he would just do a change with her um but so he's been kind of on vacation um, I don't have any fall plans for him um not taking him anywhere I may try and get one more Land Rover out of him nice. um I was gonna retire him but he honestly this year felt the best he ever has and he still loves it and you know if I bring him out in the spring and he's still in great shape all my my body workers and chiropractor they all said he's the best he's ever felt and he's it's like he's anti-aging he's going the opposite um so I will see what he does um I also want to try and get my gold medal I've done my bronze and my silver on him um so I'm working with some dressage trainers and just working on getting him a little bit more solid and doing his tempi changes and starting a little bit pee off massage work. Um, he's never going to be a world beater dressage horse, but um, I think it's cool just to be able to go and, and do that and get my medal on him would be really fun. That's a great goal. Well, hey, we wish you the best of luck and thank you for always being on the show and being a friend and and uh, now we get to compete together because we're Texoma, you know, <laughs> Texas and Oklahoma together. So, again, thank you so much and uh, best of luck tomorrow. Well, thank you very much. I'm looking forward to it. So I'm here with Jennifer Osborne, who just had an amazing three-day event in like two hours with her off-the-track thoroughbred. Jennifer, welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? So tell us about your horse, Fortunate Cookie. Um, I got her kind of in a roundabout sort of way. Um, the people who I've gotten horses from in the past is this uh, rescue called Naysavers. Um, and then I got connected to another rescue in California called Karma. And they're always rescuing horses. And, and so they, um, I became one of their aftercare partners. And then they gave me a grant um, so that I could do this, um, so I could do, you know, the retired racehorse project. And so then they let me choose from probably about 15 horses. They sent me pictures mm -hmm. of 15 horses. Um, and then I picked her just uh, from a picture. I thought, okay. oh, she'll, she'll be really, she just looked really smart. Mm -hmm. And that's actually what she is. Um, and so then I picked her up. Uh, she was in a layover facility coming right off the track. Um, I picked her up uh, last week in January um, and then uh, shipped her to Las Vegas and started all the training from there. Okay, so you're from the California, Nevada area. Yeah. This is your first time at the makeover, right? Yes, my first time. What made you want to do this? Um, I think I'm crazy. No. <laughs> That's fair. We all are. <laughs> yeah. Um, I had wanted to do it since the first year it mm -hmm. went, but it was always just how am I going to get there? How am I going to ship? The, what am I going to do? How am I going to... I mean, the cost of coming all this way, um, I won't even begin to tell you how expensive it was. Yeah. So that grant they gave me really did help. Um, a friend of mine... Um, gave me another grant, which was huge, um, mm -hmm. which I wouldn't have been able to do it without them. Um, you know, just having that support and people who've supported the rescue yeah. over the years, I, I wouldn't have been able to do it without them. But um, I've been watching it on TV. I watched Elisa Wallace win it last year. Um, I've always wanted to do it. Thoroughbreds are what I do. Mm -hmm. I run the horse rescue with thoroughbreds. And it's just the best way to showcase how great these horses really are. So I couldn't agree more. It's just been a remarkable experience here. And, you know, something that we've been talking about too is the diversity within the sport too, as you know, a woman of color, how have you felt coming in here? Do you think this is a land of opportunity or, um, I just, I mean, a little bit about me just in, in general. Um, 
I, <laughs> it's just kind of funny. I made a little post on Instagram when I first got here because I flew on the plane with my cowboy hat on. <laughs> and uh, I was making a little joke. I said, oh, you know, this is the first time I've had to wear a cowboy hat to get people to stop staring at me. So <laughs> if you look at my life, everything I do, you don't see anyone that looks like me. So I'm used to getting stared at. I'm used to being the only one. And I'm when and people say nobody's going to stare. No, no. People stare like yeah. with their mouth open, like stare, like, mm -hmm. and, but I'm 43 years old. I've been dealing with it my whole life. It's yeah. fine. I get stared at when I'm driving the fire truck. I get stared at when I'm. Oh yeah. Let's, let's mention about the fact that she's also a firefighter. Like she's running horse rescue, firefighter, woman, dominating everything right now. I don't know like, about dominating, but <laughs> definitely just trying to like get through every day, just like everybody yeah. else. But yeah, the diversity thing. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of used to it and mm -hmm. I'm, I'm at the age now where I'm comfortable. I think if I was a little younger, it would yeah. be a little bit more difficult just to kind of handle that. But with that said, um, everyone here has, okay, not everyone, there's always a turd in the punch bowl, but the majority <laughs> of people, I'd probably say 98% of the people who are here are really encouraging and mm -hmm. really positive. And I can't tell you how well run this show is. Like I've been to some poorly run uh, small time shows or, you know, shows that are trying to be like this and they are not even, I mean, to have all these horses and to have it this well run. And then everyone is super friendly. Like when I was trying to school for the freestyle, you know, they say you only have 10 minutes. They let me, um, Oops, we're going to pause real quick. Okay. I just want to be sure it's still, we're still yeah, going. Okay. We're still okay. going. Okay. Three, two, one. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. So when we went to school for the freestyle, you're supposed to only have 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. And they were basically just like, stay as long as you want. Like, this is a spooky arena. Don't worry. I mean, everyone is more than helpful. They wanted to help me set my buckets up and all that stuff. But, I mean, you know, with that said, I think just kind of... I'm, I'm not a meek person just yeah. in general. That's just not my personality. So I kind of... And just, just being used to it, I just... Mm -hmm. I'm kind of just like, ah, whatever. If somebody's got a problem, that's their problem, not yeah. mine. And, and I hope that if you just if the more people just start to see it, yeah, it'll just become commonplace. Like that's what we talk about in the fire department. Like that's what people, um, you just don't see it a lot. And mm -hmm. so then that's where the preconceived notions come from and mm -hmm. all the stupidity and all that stuff. And so a lot of my bosses will tell me, Hey, you need to encourage other people, mm -hmm. other, you know, people who are, you know, quote minorities or women or whatever, because the more women we get involved, the more people mm -hmm. of color we get involved, the more, you know, people of different, you know, backgrounds we get involved. Number one, it enriches whatever you're doing because mm -hmm. you're getting a different perspective. And then number two, it just, once you start to see it, then it just becomes the norm. And yeah. so hopefully like, people would just start seeing it and just be like, oh, that's normal, mm -hmm. you know, so. I love it. I love it. And, you know, like your ride watching you go today, you're so gentle with your horse. You had her in a very untraditional setup <laughs> yeah. for eventing too. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So, um, I had to ship her here cause mm -hmm. I couldn't take off enough time from work to drive there mm -hmm. and drive back. So I had to ship her here. So a lot of my stuff I had to rebuy here because no I couldn't ship so I was so it's like a hodgepodge I don't mm -hmm. I don't have my truck here I don't have my trailer yeah. here I don't have like a lot of my stuff like and so 
I bought those rope reins. That was for my freestyle because I can use it as a lunge line as yeah. well. And I use it when I rode her in the halter. Um, and then um, I used different reins for the dressage, but they didn't have clips on them. So yeah. it was just like a speed thing. <laughs> and then I was like, you know what? We'll just go with the green. Nice. <laughs> and the rope reins were green. So I was like, ah, whatever. I'm comfortable riding yeah. with it. So it didn't bother me. Um, and then um, I rode her in the, the Mi'kmaq with the with a little bit of a shank on it, which... Mm-hmm. A lot of English riders, they see a shank and they like. I, I, I have to say, as a dressage rider, I saw you go in with it for the jump ring. I was like, yeah. "Well, this is interesting. Yeah. This is different." Yeah, because <laughs> y- English people aren't used to a shank, yeah. but they'll put all sorts of martingales and stuff yeah. inside. Or it's the same concept. Yeah. You're doing the same thing. Um, and that the Mi'kmaq, I, I love the Mi'kmaqs for just as a training bit mm-hmm. for little babies, especially with her, because she tends to. When I first got her, she would hollow out her back and her neck, okay. and her head would be up like a giraffe, mm-hmm. like ninety percent of the time. She had a one beat canter, like that was just up and down like a deer, <laughs> and so the Mi'kmaq just kind of helps it only activates as the horse's head kind of lifts up and then it immediately releases when they lower their head down. And so it can be a little faster than a rider's hands. But with that said, you have to be real careful. You Mm -hmm. can't get really aggressive with your hands. I'm not a real aggressive rider with my hands anyway, because I think riding all should come from the leg Mm -hmm. and the hands are just kind of there. And so, I mean, I rode her in a halter in in the freestyle. So, um, you know, and bareback. So I I don't really need that. That's just for as her, as she's a baby in another six months, she's going to probably go in a, in a, in a straight smooth, you know, smooth snaffle. Like she'll be fine in that. So what's her future look like? Mm. Um, right now, um, since I can't afford to, uh, ship her back and be with me, um, a girl who adopted one of my other horses from a couple years ago, she lives in Virginia. Mm She's driving up on Friday oh, nice. and she's going to take her and continue her training because she's not quite ready to, she still needs help. Okay. She still needs somebody to kind of help her along. And this girl is, is doing such a great job with the other horse that um, is from my rescue. And I love her and I know her and, and she's somebody that I feel comfortable that, you know, Flynn can go on with her and we'll have a lot of contact over the next year or so. And I'll probably fly back and and just be involved with her a lot more because to me, it doesn't matter the number of horses I can rescue. I have to be able to see their whole future and make sure that they're okay for the rest of their lives. I, I don't, I would hate to see her because she's at still all these horses here. They're not trained yet. None of them. Even though they're doing great and whatever, they're not, they're still at that vulnerable stage where it could still go wrong. And then you're going to see them, you know, you know, somewhere in a feedlot or go into slaughter or something like that. And, and that's, I don't want to see that for any of my rescue horses. And so it's, it's once I make contact with these horses, it's for life. I'm going to follow them and make sure they're okay for life. And I always tell everyone, if you have a problem, they can always come back to me. I will always take them back. It it doesn't end just when they go on the trailer. So, Well, Jennifer, I, I don't know how we can end on anything better than that. I mean, that's what the thoroughbred makeover is about is, you know, giving these horses that second chance, moving them forward and giving them the best start to their forever homes. And I think you're really capturing that with what you're doing. So people don't learn more about you or find about your rescue. Where can they look? 
Um, we, um, you can look at my, uh, my webpage at fireandicehorses.org. Um, I'm on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, Fire Nice Horses. Um, I've been kind of chronicling everything um, on Instagram and Facebook, just trying to keep everybody in the loop. And I'm always super honest. I'm honest when I screw up, and, and nobody's perfect. So, um, you know, except my horse. <laughs> you know, I always say that it's, it's the humans that kind of get in the way the horses are trying. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, um, yeah, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, we're out there. And I would like to see um, this become like, at the very least, have one on the West Coast, like yeah. the Mustang makeover does. Because I don't know if I'll be able to like come all the way back here, not for a while, but if you get one on the West Coast, I'll do it every single year. I love it. Thank you so much, Jennifer, for thank coming you. on the show and good ride today. Yeah, thank you. Well, some of you guys might remember Justin Powers from episode 10. He was one of our spotlight riders in Polo. And Justin, how did your week go? Uh, it went pretty well. I mean, aside from melting my truck trailer and everything else getting here, but uh, no, the weekend was good, it, or the week. We haven't, we're not even to the weekend yet. Um, looking forward to going to watch some races today at Keeneland. Uh, horse did better than I thought I was going to do. Uh, Wednesday, we did a little practice dry run, and that didn't go that well. So switched up some bits. That sounds familiar. <laughs> Nobody's went well. Practice is for schmucks, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Who needs practice? Yeah, Just get out there. Nothing like taking a bunch of off-the-track thoroughbreds and putting them back in box stalls and yeah. shed rows, and like <laughs> they decide they're going to go bat, you know what, crazy. Yeah, so. yeah. It's much like the dressage, going down into the dressage, and the announcer's talking, and all these horses are cantering around, and the yeah. Well, as I was ta- talking to my dad, I'm like, this is the first horse show. It's everyone's green. He's like, oh, everyone's got alcohol then too. Huh? <laughs> so this actually is my first ever horse show. Wow. Ever in my entire well, life. Way to start big. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's, uh, I prefer things to like just tack up and ride and then you're done mm-hmm. when you're done and, uh, not this whole like. This is super stressful. It is. Uh, yeah, it is. It's, it's more stressful than it probably needs to be. But, yeah. uh, okay. also skunks are protected animals in Kentucky. So everyone talking about the skunk problem needs to chill a little bit. Uh-huh. But, uh, are they really? Yeah. Huh. For their pelts. Didn't know. Huh. So, so the skunk thing, there's been skunk seen around the barns and uh-huh. I went to <laughs> go get my my horse out of the round pen and it was like five in the morning and I'm bringing him in and I was like oh god and I was like hey wherever you are go away <laughs> the first problem is getting up at five in the morning yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Too. Like, <laughs> so how is your preparation for this event because how long does it normally take a polo horse to be ready for polo uh I mean it, it kind of varies depending on the horse but you know, horses right off the track will probably, you know, you're going to a year and a half before you're getting them into kind of competitive play. Mm-hmm. Um, there's what's called green horse polo, which is, you know, slower polo. You know, it's more of a kind of a, you know, a, a camaraderie, it's a fraternal a thing. game. Yeah. That's what Jamie and I can do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, yeah, I can't. Sure. <laughs> um, we need targets. You know? <laughs> so, uh, no, it's in, and it, it varies based on the horse. Uh, mm-hmm. I was, I was talking earlier about how, if, if I wasn't doing this event, I probably would have turned my horse out the end of August for the winter, you mm, know, because okay. she was going pretty well as far as, you know, compared to how, when she started. And mm-hmm. um, I might have put a little too much pressure on her coming in, but it's all right. We got it done and okay. over with. And So, so ha- you happy you did it for the, your first horse show? Yeah, I, I don't I wouldn't say my personality is a horse show personality. Um I'm more of like a relaxed get on the horse ride. Mm-hmm. Like if I need to ride five seconds, I ride five seconds. If I need to ride an hour, I ride an hour and but uh 
It's cool. I mean, it's it's a little bit different. An experience. So how does the polo operate here versus traditional polo that we see? Uh, that's what, a good question. What was asked of you, basically? So the, the, you know, the agility pattern is like, I would, what I would say is more like a schooling pattern and it's okay. there. It's no pattern. Actually, it's just do whatever you want. Um, it's kind of like a freestyle pattern. A couple years ago, there was a, a, an actual pattern, but polo people just don't, they don't follow directions too well. So, um, I would say that like that part of it is very similar to what we do, you know, when we're kind of just like everyday schooling the horses, mm-hmm. kind of getting them on their, on their toes a little bit. Um, as far as, you know, tomorrow in the finale, you'll see a, a mock chucker or a mock period of polo. And that'll be, oh, that'll cool. be the crowd favorite. That'll um, be really cool. That'll be cool. And so, and also, I mean, people will be hooting and hollering. It's not like a dressage ring where you have to be quiet. And- <laughs> was that kind of weird? Because it was, I watched some of the polo and it was really quiet in here. Was that just strange for you? It, you know, you don't notice it when you're riding because most of the time you're on a polo field and you just got wind you can't hear. Okay. Uh, but, you know, it's, it is, it's, this isn't, this isn't like, tennis and golf i mean it's yeah. horses so yeah and these are racehorses they're used to people cursing them coming down the stretch and ripping up tickets and throwing at them and stuff so <laughs> gotcha and so as your first time here what's probably the most memorable or positive thing that you've experienced so it's my first time here as a competitor but i've been to every retired racehorse event actually really yep even okay. going back to pimlico okay cool so um I should, are you surprised at the growth? How many horses are here? I, I'm surprised at the quality, uh, more so than the growth. I mean, I think there's a lot of nutty people out there that want to own horses. So <laughs> I mean, you can that. always, but I mean, just even in the polo discipline, I think the, the, the quality in the horses, this is also me trying to, you know, um, preface and scapegoat my my poor performance you know the horses are better this year than they were three years ago so uh, this was the best year yeah, of all like yeah. the, toughest the horses are way better than when my dad won this thing you know <laughs> uh, they sucked then but uh no i think the the level of commitment um as far as you know i people and, and this is kind of a double-edged sword i think people are treating this as a horse show first mm-hmm. now and kind of a fraternal community collective second mm-hmm. um in this organization needs to be very cognizant of that, that they don't lose that we're here for the horses, you know, and, yeah. and um, you know, appeals and, and questioning on scoring and stuff, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we're here for the horses. No one's getting, no one's getting rich off this, you know? So, yeah. but well, cool. We Justin. Are, yeah. I mean, you know, if you want to buy some, you know, if you want to buy some horses, I got yeah. some horses for sale. You know, they'll turn you into a millionaire. As Justin, long as you're a multimillionaire. Yeah, as long as you have 10 million. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Well, thank you for coming by and stopping yeah, and talking thanks, to us and Justin. being a part of the show before. It's been fun to follow everybody's journey yeah. here on Retired Racehorse Radio. What was your guys' favorite part this weekend? Or this week? I keep saying weekend because it feels like it's... Jamie's favorite part is it's over. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that is... I am done. I, w- I definitely made it a lot harder yeah. on myself than I probably needed to. Um, so I just because of, I just felt a lot of pressure to mm-hmm. make make everything work i'll tell you, you know? what I, I see from just an outsider's point of view and a horse husband not knowing a lot is with a few exceptions the horsemanship i think has been very good and mm-hmm. the when you watch the riders with the horses they've been very patient when the horses didn't want to do something whatever it was 
and I, so for the most part, I, I'd say 80% of what I saw, I really liked that way. Yeah. Yeah. Some good horses. It, it's also really impressive with the kids. Like, so my sister did the team competition. And so she has, she has two kids here that are under 16 that worked with her. Both are first generation riders. And they're both, I mean, they've at our farm, they've been riding off track thoroughbreds for the one girl for four years now. And she's. Mm-hmm. 14. Um, but like, even I noticed when I was riding, I, I came into the, this corner closest to the booth here and I, I asked a horse, I did a, you know, a flying lead change to the right lead. And then I, I wanted to do a lead change back to the left and turn into the wall. And she didn't, she picked up the lead change, but we were, we were running out of real estate quick. <laughs> and when I was 14, I would have just dug my heel in and said, we're either going to go, you know, butt over tin cans or we're going to make this turn. And, and I, I, I'm not as coyote as I used to be, but like the kids now, you see the young riders. Like last year, I think a couple of junior riders won. Harry Caldwell won the polo through a few years ago. Is mm-hmm. you know they're really understanding the foundation of you know horsemanship, which again I def- I describe describe horsemanship as out of the saddle. You know from day one, what do you do with a horse? You know, well so. you can't with a thoroughbred, especially you can't fake it. So no. it's either the the foundation is there or it's not. Mm-hmm. And I mean things happen. You know, like my horse does a lovely dressage test at home, but he went into that Rolex arena and the announcer started talking. and yeah. He was back at the track. There's so I mean, you, you can't can, control some things you can control. Can't, but you, you, just getting the the foundation, you can't make a thoroughbred do anything it doesn't want to do. And that's what I think about the racing industry. Mm -hmm. These horses want to run. These horses want a job. They want to do stuff and you can't force anything and you can't fake anything. So I think that the, the good horsemanship that we've seen is, is required to even be here because otherwise you wouldn't have made it. We got to go. All right. Promise fulfilled in the eighth race. It's a lock. I'm going to be about going off two to one. Yeah. Yeah. Should I bet that? Yeah. There's no, uh, there's no speed. No, Glenn, I don't have a betting app on my phone. No, I would never do that. Who would have a betting app on their phone, Glenn? I I have two on my phone. My husband's listening. I would never Never have a betting betting app on on my phone. phone. No, she doesn't have that anymore. She got rid of that when Chad said to get rid of that. Yeah, I did. It's deleted. It's It's for fun. It's play money, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks, Thanks, Justin. You can find our show notes and links to today's guests on the website at retiredracehorseradio.com. Like us on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for Retired Racehorse Radio, and you can follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. Jamie's email is jamie at horseradionetwork.com, and my email is joy at horseradionetwork.com, or follow me on Instagram at joyhequestrian. Thank you so much to our amazing sponsors, Kentucky Performance Products and Cashel Products. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. And if you guys think that, you know, we're going away after this makeover, you're wrong. We have so much you're coming stuck on board. With us. Sadly, you are. I'm excited, but it's going to be great. There's a lot of things coming. We're still going to go into the thoroughbreds. There's a lot more to cover. We also have standard breads, quarter horses, the Arabians, and I think we're going to bring some greyhounds on too. So it's going to be a really exciting time. So we're hoping to stick with us. Don't go anywhere. Yep. Spade, neuter, geld. <laughs>